With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. I'm Paul Doolan and I'm joined this week by two people, Fergus Craig and Dave Watson. Long Hello. time to speak. All right, boys. Well, good. How are we? We're all doing this from the comfort of our own homes, am I correct? Yes. It's very strange. I think this is the future. Wow. Judging by the beginning of this podcast, I hope it's not the future. (laughs) How are you, Dave? We've not spoken to you for a long time. Uh, Well, um, I'm a new dad. Sleeping well? Pretty tired. Yeah. I'm well, little one's well, well, everything's well. Just, you know. Why can't we, we, were speculating last, we were speculating last week that the um, the issue is that you come home from work and are handed the child. Is that what's going on? Uh, I mean, pretty basically I get back from work about about now and usually I'll start helping and then I take over at 8 p.m. and then I've got him till midnight but uh even even just getting home at 4 30 just makes you uh there's just so much shit to do so I've I've got a I've got a pass today if I can record this great and that means that I can chat to you lovely chaps you must have missed these depressing chats about Newcastle United. A lot's changed. We've not had you on this season, have we? No, no, I've not done one this season. Um, so last time I, we spoke to you, Rafa Benitez was manager. We comfortably survived. Yeah, takeover was on. How do you feel yeah. now? How do you think that's gone? <laughs> it's it's to the point now where I'm really struggling to take an interest um i'm really disenfranchised with the whole thing normally when the season starts badly there's something to be hopeful about like maybe there's rumors that i hadn't yet been like turned off by in regards to takeover that maybe there's rafa benitez in charge or there's something to get excited about but even the signings of like joe linton and st maximin and bringing big andy carroll back I just viewed it through the prism of, yeah, but it's fucking shit, isn't it? So there's times where I've not even watched the watched the game because I'm just so disenfranchised. Wow. But, but had all that been true, you know, it been Steve Bruce and still Mike Ashley and prick teasing about takeovers that don't happen and blah, 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 blah. But we were getting some half-decent results. You'd feel different, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know that's hypocritical. It's almost like I'm a glory supporter, but I think I'm at the stage where 
because of everything that, that went on in the summer, because of the situation we find ourselves in with, you know, Steve fucking Bruce in charge, um, even if we'd been, you know, like building on the, the un, unexpected and uh, really welcome win against Spurs, results against the likes of Watford and Brighton and Norwich and stuff like that, then I'd, I'd be more invested, but I still don't think I'd care as much as I did the previous few seasons. I just, I just like when we when we got beat um, by Leicester on the weekend, I, I was upset, but I wasn't devastated. You know, I was embarrassed, but I wasn't angry. I was just like, kind of good. Maybe this ushers Bruce out the door quicker. I'm not. You know what I mean? I just, I wasn't. Yeah, I kind of find myself in a similar boat where if we got beat heavily last season, it was all negative. But there's there's silver linings now because you just get into that thing of thinking, well, this might see Ashley out the door quicker. Or this mm. uh, kind of it's hard to argue with the fact that we as a club deserve to get relegated. So it's never completely negative seeing us get spanked. Yeah, This felt like a bit of a... a, a um rude awakening for me i <clears throat> i knew everything wasn't good and i knew we were relegation candidates and i think at the end of the last part i was i was at about 50 50 for us going down and incredibly like so <laughs> stupidly i predicted 2-2 paul i think you predicted 1-1 and I had like the night before I had a moment of like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I was predicting a draw against Leicester, but I was predicting us to score two goals. And I just could not see how that would happen. And then of course the game happened and yes, Leicester are having a really good season and they are a really good side. And we did play the second half with only 10 men. So there are a lot of mitigating factors. I don't think we'll like... score two or more goals any time this season, or very often. Did you, anyway. did you see what our XG was? <laughs> I'm XG, guessing there was at least one zero in it. Our XG was 0. 0.08. <laughs> I, yeah. I've never seen a lower XG than that. Our XG for the season so far, all, all totaled up, is 5.4. That's that's it, and that's and after seven won. games. Yeah, it is. In some ways, we're overachieving. As depressing as that sounds, <laughs> we should probably get into the game. I mean, when we predicted our draws, there was there was some logic to it. You kind of thought last season they're the sort of games where we do best, and we did against Spurs. That five at the back get really compact and just hit on the counter. That's how we beat Leicester the last two seasons. And we changed formation, didn't go five at the back. It's hard to see why that happened. Can either of you understand why we changed that? I think it was just five at the back isn't working. I'll try a different one. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's like when you're on Football Manager. It's like, oh, that's not working. Maybe this one. I don't think but then, it doesn't. Steve Bruce seems to be dismissing the very concept of tactics as something yeah. that affects football. Yeah, it's in his I mean, afterwards. he's used four formations so far in seven games, and it it's not like he's you know tweaked it here or there. He's he's flitting between you know um, five at the back or three at the back with wing backs or foot you know, he's just he's all over the shop and he's also changing up people's roles so you've had Almiron played consistently out of position you've had him played as a forward when he's not a forward you have having him as an out and out winger when he's not an out and out winger um you've had like partnerships unable to be created in the center of the park because he's chopping and changing the center of the park you've had Joe Linton completely isolated and then suddenly he gets uh, a, a, a Muto alongside him for the lesson. It's just, Bruce is just all over the fucking shop. And he's got the lowest win percentage of all Premier League managers who've played over 300 games. And yet we've employed him. It's, it's baffling. And 
I mean, when you, it, when you put it like that, though, <laughs> you can't just focus on the negatives. He yeah. stood after this. I mean, his interview after the game didn't do him any favours at all. It, it like played into the idea that he is a bit of a buffoon. He said, um, he said, I hear all this nonsense about tactics. Like, <laughs> and, and went into the idea that it's, it's just about passion and there wasn't enough passion and, and, but he's dismissing uh, you know. tactics the way, like the same way you dismiss like good luck charms or like yeah, superstitions. Yeah. They are quite crucial to how you win games. He's dismissing tactics, but also consistently changing tactics, which suggests he thinks there might be something in it. And <laughs> he said, he said after he said after the game that uh, now we're going to be looking at the four, five six players who want to get into the team and have been banging on the door and I'm going to have to have a look at that. So now next game, I assume we'll probably have a different formation and we'll change half the team. So if you compare this to last season, I know we're always going to hark back to Rafa, but when, when we had that terrible start, we'd stuck to our guns for quite a while. I think we changed to five at the back after a bit, but, to just change after every game seems bizarre. And then the Leicester game was the one where you thought, we shouldn't change it for this. Yeah. Well, if, if, you, if you set your stall out with a plan and you can see that the plan's kind of working, but we're being let down by perhaps a bit of poor officiating like we did in the first game against Spurs last season or just the the opposition have got too much quality like Man City, Arsenal and Chelsea did. We only lost those goals by the odd game and they all came in the the beginning of the season. But like you say, Benitez stuck roughly to the same, if not the same formation, then roughly the same plan for the game. You know, reduce the the game down to spells of 10 minutes, deny the opposition um, the ball in dangerous areas, Get the ball to our striker as quickly as like as as quickly as possible, but don't waste possession. And as soon as Rondon was fully fit, and we would we were settled on a formation, settled on a system, settled on on a team sheet. Rondon's first full game was against Watford, and we fucking won it. Now you look at Bruce, and he's he's chopping and changing players. I guarantee he's going to try and drop Almiron, which is bizarre because he's one of the few players who's actually driving the ball 20 yards further up the pitch. So he's one of the few players who's actually getting close to Joe Linton. So if you sub him, like if you take him out of it and you bring on St. Maximum, for example, and you play with St. Maximum on one wing, Atso on the others, that's great. Two wing plays, let's go and, and attack. Guarantee you'll stick fucking Shelby in the centre of the park and then Hayden, well, Hayden's missing. But we've got like, We'll have no centre of the park. We'll have no control of the ball. So we'll again have the lowest percentage in uh, lowest percentage possession in the in the Premier League. Random. I don't. I mean, I've said it before. I don't have a problem with him dropping Almiron if it comes to that. But um, yeah. yeah, what do you think? He's about- not, if he's not able to get the best out of Almiron, then one of them needs to go. <laughs> we'll be rested. You can't. It's a shame you can't rest your manager for a game. Yeah, just hope we can get well, it back. I th- I think in defence because I've listened to a couple of the pods and in defence of Almiron, last season he t- took us from I think it was like one point three nine points per game to one point eight nine points per game. In the games that he played, he 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 altered our formation um, in attack and he altered our, our our creativity in attack to the point where we were getting more points per game than without him. For him to be criticised now, I think people are, are, you know, they can't see the wood for the trees. I think that the issue, the issue with Almiron isn't Almiron. Similarly, the issues that Dubravka is going through, it's not really Dubravka that's at fault. I think his ones kind of are. I think the Dubravka ones, there's a lot of individual mistakes, (coughs) which he's always had a bit in him. I would say on your point, the criticism of Joe Ellington... I think are unfair because it's just, the ball's not coming near him. And I think the same to an extent is true of Almiron. I think the one player who you look at and think something has really changed there, and it was noticeable again, was Longstaff, 
who just looks a completely different player to last season. Yeah, because he's not getting the instructions, and he's not, and and the teammates around him aren't getting the right instructions either. So Hayden's reverted to uh, charge about the place, kicking lumps. I mean, for fuck's sake, Hayden was played on the right wing for a couple of the early games. <laughs> I mean, it's it screams that nobody on the pitch knows what they're doing, and and when they don't know what they're doing, mistakes are made. Which speaking of mistakes, Bravka's making. On the subject of mistakes and Isaac Hayden, is it even worth asking? Was it a red? Fergus, what do you think? Well, here's the thing. Yes, it was a red. But I think 25 years ago, (laughs) I appreciate it is not 25 years ago, but 25 years ago, would that have even been a foul? Well, no. But then... Five years ago, it might have been a yellow and, and so on and so forth. The point is, in, in, in the current laws of the game, it was he was out of control and he carried on through into the player. And in this, in this climate, it's going to be a red card. You can't really argue with it. Well, I appreciate yeah. it. It's a, re- it's a red card and you have to take it as it is. But I just don't know why I can't still wear blackface. Well, when in Canada. Yeah. Do you think, I wonder if Isaac Hayden could maybe have a good night sweetheart style uh, life changing event where he's able to somehow play 25 years ago and just end with a clean disciplinary record. (laughs) I might might work up a pitch for that, see if anyone's interested. Should. Um, Um, Paul. Yes. I was uh whilst waiting for this phone call I had a quick look at my fantasy team. I am uh, rock bottom almost. Almost, yeah. I had a look at the fantasy league as well. And I had to skip through the pages to find where where you were. Yeah. And so I had a look at your team. I noticed that Joe Linton is in your team. He's been in there a few weeks. I'm just saving up my transfers to get him out. Yeah, I mean that's it's not gone well. No, but I, I think I mean in the certainly in the first couple of games, he, he looks like he's got a bit about him. He just he needs to be played in the right formation or with the right players around him or getting the right instructions. Because at the minute he needs to be in a he needs to be in a partnership with with Jermaine Defoe ten years ago. <laughs> See, I I think I think he'd be best suited with. An attacking midfielder in the same mould as, as Perez or Almiron, playing just off him, you know that number ten role, but a more, you know, not not necessarily like a, a David Silva, guileful finding the little runs and stuff, but just who works hard and and can provide him with a bit of support. You can only do that if you've got a, a solid foundation to, to build upon, because you can't sacrifice. You know, you can't sacrifice a midfielder for that role when the midfield's getting overrun. So I think I think he's, he's I don't think we necessarily need to play two up front. But I think I think he he's he's being asked to do too much. He's basically being asked to play like a seasoned striker and hold the ball up. With the gaps between him and every other player on our team, he just he's having to hold it up for literally it's, hours. It's, it's a it's a shame that in order to buy Joe Ellington we had to sell the player who would have made Joe Linton work for us. Oh, yeah. Perez. In Perez. Like, they could have been quite a good combination. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think Perez and Almiron and Joe Linton would be, would be good under Benitez. I think we could have fucking Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi under Bruce and we would be dotting about the bottom half of the league. It's just, it all comes back to Bruce. Well, yeah, but I think as well, which in itself all comes back to Ashley. Yeah, definitely. The only reason Bruce and that mix of players is at the club and ones that clearly would have worked aren't is all really down to one man. But I don't think we need to worry about that anymore because I don't know if you've heard, the takeover's back on. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, Peter Kenyon's got a brochure. <laughs> have, you, have you seen the brochure? 
Yeah, I read a piece in The Athletic. Uh, I think Kieran Maguire, who's a, a, a professor somewhere, um, does a lot about the, the finances behind football. And he said that if one of his students had submitted that brochure, he would have failed them. There's so many er- inaccuracies and uh, just wrong-headed thinking in that. I think the biggest inaccuracy that I saw was describing Steve Bruce as one of the best managers in Europe, where they've (laughs) clearly just done find and replace on Rafa Benitez and Steve Bruce. (laughs) I mean... What what I don't understand is, what what is Peter Kenyon up to? He just got the funds to buy the club, clearly. Why is he doing it, then? Because he wants to be involved in football, you want he, he wants to run a football club, and also there is there is good money to be made um, from owning a Premier League football club, or at least running a Premier League football club. And for the right investors, it's it's a really good opportunity. Um, but does it seem like it's not serious? Like, is he just trying to get his name in the papers for some reason? No, no, I think what? he is trying. I, I do genuinely believe he's trying to drum up interest in in buying. Newcastle. The trouble is, what Ashley's asking for is like <coughs> north of three hundred million. And a few years ago, you could buy Everton for one hundred eighty-five million. So, are we are we really worth nearly double what Everton are? I I would say absolutely fucking not. I think um, we're worth a lot less with Steve Bruce and not Benitez as well. But I don't yeah. think I don't think Ashley's valuation has gone down. No. I'd agree. And also, the, the the thing in The Athletic was saying that sources have said that Ashley is notoriously difficult to work with because he won't budge on certain issues. And then as the as the negotiations are proceeding and you think you're coming to a close, he'll suddenly flip and ask for something else or demand something more in the hope that the um, like the momentum takes over your sense and you suddenly you know, acquiesce to his ridiculous demands. I mean, he said that this, this uh, Sheikh Khaled, oh, he's a prince. He's got like a hundred million quid, a hundred, you know, a hundred billion quid. And he's, he's, he's arguing over 10 million. No, no, no. Like there's a reason why he's got that much money because he, well, inherited loads of oil money. But if he's a good businessman, he is going to argue over 10 million quid. It's 10 million quid's a fuck ton of money. And you're a billionaire, mate. And you're quibbling over 10 million quid. I think the thing with these takeovers, though, is as soon as... 10 million quid could nearly buy you Jacob Murphy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It could buy you half of St. Maximum. Can either of you think of a takeover that has played out in public before it's then gone through? Um, I mean, some of the stuff in the lower leagues, like... Mm. um, like, uh, Bolton and uh, Pompey, there was, what was his name? That dodgy Eastern European who owned them for a bit. I'm going to say Karadic, but am I thinking of a disgraced Serbian war criminal? (laughs) So basically things that all ended well. Yeah. Yeah. I think the point is, if we are, if or when we do get taken over, the first we'll hear about it will be when it's done. If you're having to tout around to get people to fund it, it seems like the chance is already gone. Do you, are we ever going to get taken over? I mean, ever, yes. Well, <laughs> when, Dave? I want dates. Well, I, I tell you, it, it it will either happen when some Sheikh Mansour figure has has it in his mind to own a Premier League club and wants the the exposure and all the rest of it and throws 300, 400 million quid at Mike Ashley, accepts his demands about merchandising, accepts his demands about sports direct signage staying up, all that stuff, just accepts it, <coughs> wants a toy. Either that happens, which I don't think will ever happen, or we are relegated from the Premier League to the Championship and either by relegation or just a failure to get promotion, the TV money runs out. Those are the only two ways I can see a takeover happening because he's just, he's intransigent. He doesn't want to sell for less than what he thinks he's owed, even though that's a massively inflated figure. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. Well, so, I think on that 
bombshell. I don't know if we're having adverts in this because we're recording it ourselves, but presumably they'll try and stick some in. So if they are going to, we'll be back after these messages. Welcome back. If we did come back from messages, if not, hello again. Hi, Dave. <laughs> hi, Fergus. Hi. Hi. It's slick, isn't it? Did you see uh, the St. Maximin video from training? Yes. Yeah, apparently he got some opprobrium from, from fans because of his because he posted a video of him scoring a pretty good goal in training. And some fans are probably uh, apparently digging him out about it. It's like Really? Yeah. I don't think there's much point digging him out about it, but I mean it was quite I guess the I guess it was the fact that it was the day after a five nil defeat to have and and I think the club retweeted it as well just to sort of it was you could like suggest that it was a video going look how brilliant we are after that defeat oh, I, oh. but the, it was it was interesting that one he sort of like powered through a non-existent defense as if yeah. he was like <laughs> as if he was like a lesser right back and it was someone I think I saw people suggesting it was Andy Carroll everyone was like shouting for him to pass and then someone yeah. was like, fucking hell. <laughs> I wondered whether they were saying, like, wow, isn't that incredible? Or, like, is he ever going to pass? Or yeah. I, I took it as isn't that incredible when I heard it. I mean, I'm, I'm all for that. We've not got much to get excited about this season. He's been one of the few bright sparks who looks like he can actually turn defence into attack. Yeah. I look forward to him and potentially Carol being back. My entire uh, hopes of any positivity this season depend on St. Maximin, a player who I've hardly seen. <laughs> yeah. oh. Does it, is this worse than under McLaren? Yeah. I can't remember. I think it is because we've had sort of hope before it. Yeah. I think I think I remember the season, like the, the the window before the season started. I was saying, no, it's quite good because if you look at the players we're signing, it suggests that we're shifting style and we're you know we've got we're, this Vinaldum looks good and Mitrovic looks good and we've got this young coach Ian Castro who's got loads of praise and I mean fuck me was I wrong? You but, were very excited about Ian Cathro, if I remember. I was. I was. I mean, to be fair, Vinealdum was good for us and has gone on to be a very good player. He's but, won the Champions League since leaving us. <laughs> yeah. And he's nearly won the league, and he's you know in a team that are currently a hundred percent in the Premier League. So he is a and you know he's playing. He's a very good player. I think, like you say, though, the hopes just be you just drummed out of us. Another season with Benitez in charge. I think we would have had a very good chance of staying up and possibly even finishing in the top 10, even if he'd been forced to play these, these, these um, like Joe Linton and St. Maximum and players like that. I think it's, we still wouldn't mm. be, but, but with Bruce, I just, I can't like every game I look at, I look at the table and every single team, I can't really make a case for us being better than anybody with Bruce, like that's the cabinet. Yeah. Like, new manager, yes, I, I reckon we could comfortably finish, um, you know, 14th, 15th, but... I don't think fans Bruce, of any other club in the Premier League would switch managers with us. I, I think few in the Championship would as well. <laughs> thing about Benitez, though, Dave, is he chose to leave us because he wanted all that <laughs> money in China, didn't he? <laughs> Fuck me. Some people are <laughs> stupid. He didn't yeah, I'm not. No, you're not dragging me down that rabbit hole. I am not. Oh. It's just fucking stupid. He didn't like. He was on plenty of money. The reason he left is because he was getting a bum deal here, and somebody like a Chinese club said, I'll "Tell you what, you can come over here and have a shit ton of money and no pressure." All right. Here's a, the thing with. I do agree with you, but I do. It has sullied his memory a bit that he chose to go to China. I think if he just waited it out, there are a number of Premier League clubs he could be about to take over now. And I do, I think it's funny how I've heard some Newcastle fans after Benitez went there defending the standard of Chinese football. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so it's something they're passionate about. 
I mean, that's a bridge too far. But I tell you what, Pellegrini went off to China for a year, came back, managed West Ham, and they're doing. They not only were doing okay last season, they're looking really good this season. So I don't think him going to China is um, is the end of his Premier League career because should should Watford stay up, he could he could go to a Watford, he could go to um, like if Nuno Espirito Santos poached by a bigger club, he could go to Wolves. You know anybody who's showing a bit of ambition and also doesn't mind throwing a bit of money at the the managerial situation. He could go and manage any of them. Can't see him getting a massive club again, though. Yeah, maybe China's sort of a gap year for managers rather than a retirement. It, it, is, it is incredible that, like, Mike Ashley, he's not just, like, he's, he's not just bad for us, but he's bad for himself. He's, like, so inept. The fact, that we've gone, yeah. the fact that we've gone all those years, all those years waiting to spend money on players and yes there's been moments when he's dipped and, and bought like Wijnaldum or, or Sissoko or whatever but after all these years we finally buy like a £40 million player mm. and uh, a couple of £20 million players and he put Steve Bruce in charge yeah it's and it's not just the self-destructive stuff like that. It's also, in in ter- in business terms, if you can produce your own produce and 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 sell it to the market, that's a really good way to keep your business ticking over. Having a an academy of note, having an academy which costs you what two million quid a year to have a really good academy, that could pay for itself by producing a couple of Adam Armstrongs every year or so, and occasionally a Sean Longstaff that will go for 25, 30 million quid. It's maddening that we have a shit show of an academy, and it's also mental that you're paying 40 million pounds for Joe Linton, and he's training in a fucking IKEA paddling pool. Like, why you... Like, it's it beggars belief. And I can't see business sense for him not putting money into low-risk, low-cost like revenue streams. I can't I understand. Think, I think it goes into... Every decision he makes can almost be read as trolling Newcastle fans. <laughs> and that feels like another one. And I think with the academy stuff, he sort of feels he doesn't need to because one will come through every few years. Like Longstaff being linked with Man U again for £40 million in the winter window. Yeah. And I think if you're Ashley, you just think, well, that'll do for me. Why bother having an academy when one will come through every few years anyway? Which, I mean, is wrong. Yeah. But he's not, for a businessman, he's quite thick when it comes yeah. to decision making. It's, yeah, I don't understand. And it, it doesn't it doesn't bode well for his ability to strike a deal to sell us because if no. he's making such rude mistakes and failings from investing in the facilities to employing the right person as a coach to marketing the, the sponsorship deals and marketing the, the advertising hoardings, everything he's got wrong. Everything. Even Rafa Benitez, he didn't approach Rafa Benitez. Rafa Benitez approached Newcastle. So he, he locked into one of the elite managers on the planet and instead of just going this is fucking brilliant i can give him control and he will deliver me premier league survival i can tell him that we don't have a, much, a lot of money to spend i can tell him that oh we have to sell this player because we've got to balance our books i can do this year on year and he will consistently deliver me premier league possibly top half football and thing is dave benitez was only using us as a shop window for china <laughs> communist china that. Do you think do you get the sense that Steve Bruce isn't like you know he's not listening to Football Weekly you know or <laughs> reading it? <laughs> yeah, maybe he is listening to this, and that's the problem. But like, you get the sense that he's not like a a, a football hipster. He's not like if he's no. picking up people. <laughs> no. can hear you feel Steve like Bruce. his inner monologue is Alan Brazil almost yeah. definitely. Right. 
<laughs> right, exactly. Maybe it's just he only li- he listens to talk sport radio and that's it. Do, do you think when he picked Steve Bruce, he genuinely thought, oh, well, he's a Geordie, English manager, you know, old star, one of the boys. Do you think he thought that that would go down well with Newcastle fans? Do you think that yeah. was that was a that was meant to be like a gift to us. Yeah, I, th- I think that's absolutely the case. It, it smacks of his reasoning behind appointing Kevin Keegan to begin with, um, giving Alan Shearer the, the interim job, um, giving John Carver uh, like the, the, the deal to the end of the season. He, he thought, here you go, he, here's some Geordies. That's that's what Geordies want because he listens to talk sport. It's the same reason why he's Keegan like Keegan and Shearer. It was like a be- much better logic. Keegan and Shearer were at, were actually like already club legends and loved. Like yeah, no, just oh yeah, it's, it's Google I, I'm would tell saying you that not. The, no, but I'm saying that it's the same level of of consideration was given to it because if if yeah, Ashley yeah. come in and not appointed Keegan as as the manager but said oh you're lifetime ambassador or something like that he would have got the same amount of praise and and he could have employed some foreign head coach who doesn't mind the team being picked for like you know the players being bought for him and will work with what he's got he could have done that and he, he would have got praise for appointing Keegan same for Shearer just like uh, it's just it's the same level of oh we'll them Geordies want Geordies, so I'll give them a Geordie. And has no idea of whether it's going to work out or not. It's- I think the only reason he doesn't go for a progressive foreign manager is like older British people on holiday abroad, where he's not confident enough at speaking or ordering <laughs> in the language. So he's just, I'll just go with the safe option. <laughs> every time, every time, like Benitez went to the uh, went went to the meetings and stuff. Ashley's just going like. Una Cavesa, por favor. <laughs> Try and win, win the game-o. Win-o <laughs> the game-o. Maybe I mean, that's reducing, spent... reducing all Geordies to sort of one stereotype is such a cockney move as well. Yeah. Maybe that's why he spent £40 million on Joe Linton. He just assumed that he was English. <laughs> yeah, he thought he, thought he was from Jarrah. Oh, that's Joe Linton. Aye, Mrs. Linton's son. Aye. Fuck, it's it's maddening. And it doesn't make any sense to to e- even the neutrals who like take an interest in Newcastle United. Like, yeah, fans that you talk to in the pub or whatever, but also people like Jake Humphrey on um on BBC and and the pundits that crop up on Match of the Day in BT Sport, as long as they're not the ones, you know, courting controversy, they're the ones who are going. It doesn't make any sense. Just sell them. It, you know, somebody will have come in with a, a reasonable bid. You want out? Just sell them. I think we'll find out in a few years that Mike Ashley was actually an art installation, <laughs> it was like a piece of absurdism. And he'll win the, was it the Turner Prize? Yeah, yeah. That's what's going to happen. And yeah, let's move on to. We've got an easy game coming up. We're on Sky again. God knows why we keep getting picked for live fixtures. But Sunday, 4.30, Man United at home. Fergus, how do you think that's going to go? Well, in a way, there's not many teams I'd rather be playing. (laughs) They're like a much more successful us. Yeah, but I mean, Man United are not Man United. At the moment, yeah, are they? They are like, I mean, it's like Bournemouth. Are they better than West Ham this season? Because no. no, no, they're not. They're certainly I, not I, better I, in in fact, I could see West Ham finishing above Man U. Yeah, Leicester as well. Leicester, yeah. I mean, at the moment, it's like. That it, it it's like Palace, but I still think they'll beat us because this is the problem. This will be way, way below Palace. We're going to be the team that makes it look like Solskjaer's turned a corner and got a tune out of the players. Yeah, in fact, it's just 
playing Newcastle on their 15th formation of the season. Yeah. I mean, what will be, what would be uh, interesting is if we had a full strength side uh, with no bands, no injuries, Bruce tends to have his, you know, Tommy tickled when he comes up against the big boys anyway, but would we have been like, is our first choice 11 anywhere near this poor man, you side. However, this poor man, you side is going to come up against a seamless midfield. So we've got no defensive midfielder of note. So all those, all the, their players in the center of the park who struggle to have any influence on the game, like Pogba, Matic, Fred, McPominay, all of those are going to have free reign. Their forwards are coming up against a, a defence that's in disarray, and the defenders are going to have fuck all to do. So I'm comfortably expecting at least a three nil beat. Wow, there is man new team news. Well, two things to take into account: they're playing in the Europa League Thursday night away at AZ Alkmaar, mm. and they've got quite a few players. Like Martial, Wan Bissaka, Pogba, and Phil Jones are all likely to be out. So that we. Again, this season, we're playing a team at the best time. I don't think they're going to be harder to beat than Spurs. It just depends if morale is completely broken. I would have thought morale would be a lot lower than it was when we played Spurs. But, I mean, I'm just going to wheel back a little bit. Like, things are as bad as we're saying, I'm sure. But just looking back over our results this season... It's very disheartening the, you know, where we are in the table and all the different formations. But you know, our last game was a before this was a draw, and then there was we lost by two goals to Liverpool, and then there was a draw against Watford, and then we before that we beat Spurs. You know, it's not. This is our first hammering of the season against Leicester. Oh, I, I think I think that's. I think, I think we'll be in for some more, but I don't think. Uh, I'm just trying to find some positivity, Dave. <laughs> I think as well, a weird positive for us is that Shelby's injured, so won't be playing. It's going to be Key and Longstaff in the middle, surely. Yeah. Sant Maximin hopefully will start. I'd say there's an argument for Andy Carroll starting, but I think we'll stick with Joel Linton. I would I love to see Almir on in the number 10 role. I think that would be better but I yeah. can't see it I, th- I think Bruce will drop Almiron because Bruce will see Almiron's failure to put away the, the scant chances that he's had as evidence that he's not up to it when really Almiron's been the one that's you know he is he, he tries hard but he just doesn't know what to do because he's not been given instructions um, just to touch on Fergus's point about the, the, the fixtures I know I, I don't mean to like rub salt in the wound mate but it's not it's not just the results the performances the performance against Norwich was abysmal the performance against Brighton by all accounts it was one of the worst attacking displays at St James's Park in years I think they had I think we had 28% possession at home against Brighton that's a fucking joke and then again against Watford yes we scored a goal but it wasn't a good performance and Watford up until that point hadn't even got a point. So, look for positive. Why are you being so negative, Dave? Why are you being so negative? What do you get to China? (laughs) You either love the tune or you don't. Yeah, Um, support the team, not the regime. Have you seen, one thing that's quite striking is that at the time of recording, which is Wednesday afternoon, tickets are on public sale for Man U at home and there's still about 4,000 available. So this... The leaking away of fans doesn't seem to be a flash in the pan. And that'll well, unless the result wasn't going to change things, was it? No. I, I did find myself drag suddenly like an idiot just going back to touch the same hot pan. Uh, found myself thinking of uh, predicting a one-one draw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, a two nil loss. Dave, what are you gonna go with? Three nil loss. I I'm gonna grab that hot pan with both hands. I think we're gonna win. <laughs> yes, yes, Paul. 
Did you not see St. Maximin in training? Uh, yeah, what? there you go. <laughs> Two of them. Bill Jones isn't playing. Yeah, so I just... I mean, man, you are shit this season. I mean, we're awful. Yeah. They are... They're very poor. It's incredible. They haven't even hit rock bottom yet. Man, you have just got shitter and shitter and shitter every season since Fergie left. It's amazing that they're still they're they're still going downwards. They're another club where less interest is less like care is being taken over uh, uh, taken on with the football side of things than the balance sheet side of things. I've yeah. got you know Man United friends who are. Like, why the fuck have we signed Pogba? Why the fuck have we sold Lukaku without a replacement? Why the fuck, why the fuck, why the fuck? It doesn't make sense. And then they say it's all because of the balance sheet. And business is ruining that club just as business is ruining ours and Arsenal's. And But it's also, but yeah, yeah, they are, they are like doing very well financially, but also making incredibly stupid financial decisions, oh. like paying... Um, What's his name? Sanchez. Uh, San- Alexis Sanchez. Or, or um, I mean, they've spent an unbelievable amount of money. Mm. I yeah. mean, you look at Leicester, who, like, they're just selling players at a level where they'll never get more for those players and then shrewdly reinvesting. Like, business can work in football yeah. if you're just not stupid yeah. and you let the football people make decisions rather than, yeah, like... What's his name at Man U? I've forgotten him. Woodward. Woodward. Yeah. You've got to strike that balance like they tried to do at Southampton. I think they're they're back on course with Hasenhutl. Employ a good manager who who can coach young players and get them to a better standard. And if somebody comes in with 50 million quid for Sean, um, what's his name, Ward-Prowse, someone comes in with a big bid for him, sell him and then, you know, but have a replacement lined up. They sold you know, half their team to Liverpool and we're still mid-table in the Premier League. Leicester has sold Harry Maguire and they've got an, an immediate replacement in Benkovic. Uh, whatever he's called. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, Newcastle United, we sell Ayose Perez, who was one of the key performers last season and let Rondon go and now 50% of the goals have gone out of the team and to replace them, we bring in Andy Carroll, who best will in the world, mate, he's not going to play 38 games a season. He's probably not going to play 15. So then you're stuck with inexperienced attack and also you, you create a football, you know, your creative midfielder's gone as well. So, Do you know who we might see on Sunday, though, who's back in training? Dwight Gale. I would. I like the idea of Gale with Joe Linton or with Carroll. I mean, the two up top probably won't happen and probably shouldn't against a lot of teams in the Premier League. But I think. I I think you this shoddy menu. Sorry. I think you fetishise Dwight Gale. I don't think he's half as good as you think he could be. Oh, Dave. I'm not. Who hurt you? I know I'm being negative, but he's just not he's not that good. He shouldn't be starting in the Premier League. We should if we're gonna play two up front, it should be Joel Linton and, and uh Andy Carroll and we should Burnley our way to the to safety. Oh, I'd like that. Two big lads up front, crosses coming in from Almiron and Atsu or St. Maximin and Atsu or Richie or whatever, just play that way. And if if that's how we're gonna survive, then do that. Yeah. With Dwight Gale coming on and scoring. No, oh, fuck off. <laughs> the finisher. Dwight Gale is your quintessential team in a relegation fight. Scoring eight goals, striker. I... Team in a relegation It's what we all dreamed of. I would not be surprised if he's our top scorer this season, but I don't think that would reflect well on anyone concerned. No. Yeah. I think that might be everything. Yeah, I think so. I feel more positive yeah. after this phone call because I'm <laughs> quite stupid. I I feel cleansed. Yeah. How do you feel, Fergus? I feel good. Oh, good. Yeah, it's not about football, but you know, just generally. 
That's so what good. time? Four thirty here. What time will that be over there on Sunday in Canada? Well, it's no longer four thirty where you are, is it? Oh, oh, yeah, oh, you mean the game? Yeah, it'll be on yeah. at eleven thirty in the morning. That's and not a bad um, time. Pass the yard on. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I should be able to see at least the second half, certainly. Oh, actually, Laurie is away. My girlfriend is going to be in New York. And I'm looking after the boy, which is me, which means I don't have to feel guilty about just sticking him in front of the TV while I watch him. <laughs> soon, Dave, soon you'll reach oh, this don't, point. Don't, don't you even worry. Every Saturday and Sunday night, me and him have been sitting watching Match of the Day until half past midnight or whatever. And then I you know, sneak upstairs and say, oh, he's been, he's been asleep all this time. I don't know why he's awake and wired now. It's so weird. <laughs> Oh. Well, that's three young lives that we're going to ruin with Newcastle United at some point. But maybe yeah. Peter Kenyon will have bought us by the time they're old enough to really appreciate it. If he's got his, he penny, his penny jar full enough from chugging on the <laughs> streets. Well, I think that's everything. Thank you very much, Fergus and Dave. Thank you. Thank you. And let's hope this recording doesn't just get immediately deleted from my computer, which I'm almost certain it will. And thank you to you, the Natter listener. Goodbye. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To get all the links for this podcast, including our Twitter and Facebook, go to newcastlepodcast.com. And if you like what we do, don't forget to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.